people. Welcome to No Normal People. I am your host, Stephen Henning, and this week I have the extreme pleasure of introducing you to my friend Austin Smith. Austin is currently the store manager at the downtown Moab Coffee location here in Billings, Montana. You can check their shop out on all the social medias at Moav Coffee. That's M-O-A-V Coffee. Austin is always a fun guy to have a conversation with, as you'll hear in this episode. Austin is a car enthusiast. In fact, he helped me buy my last Jeep the last time I was on the market. Austin is a musician, both at his local church here on the worship team. He also puts together many covers on his Instagram that you can check out at A underscore Smith 1720. Austin is also about to break into the Spotify market with his first debut song, Circles. Be sure to stay tuned in through the end of the episode to hear a sample of that brand new song. As we touch on in the episode here, my conversations with Austin have always taught me the value of paying attention to my own fatigue levels, making sure I'm not getting too tired, too frazzled, burning out, and when to know when solitude and a contemplative day off is appropriate and good for the soul. I also wanted to point you to a brand new blog post that Austin put together for Moav entitled Specialty Coffee, The Front Lines of Mental and Emotional Health. So check out www moavcoffee.com, go to their blog page, and check out Austin's insightful writing into the Venn diagram of coffee and mental health. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Austin Smith. So without further ado, here's the interview. All right, we're rapid firing. (laughs) Okay, Austin. Are you ready? I'm ready. Chess or checkers? Uh, Chess. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Twitter is for the (laughs) week. Rain or sun? Oh, sun. Unless it's Seattle, then rain is vaguely acceptable. Tea or coffee? At the moment, tea, although I still have a passion for coffee. Early morning or late night? Early morning. Summer or winter? Uh, summer. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Jazz or classical? Neither. Pancakes or waffles? Pan waffles. Waffles. Pan waffles. waffles. No, waffles. Waffles Waffle for cakes. sure. Waffles for sure. <laughs> Bozeman or Missoula? Ooh. Ooh. I can't wrap it. That's so hard. Uh, but we'll, uh, mm, Bozeman. Sweet or savory? Savory. Soda or pop? Mm, which do I say or which would, okay, Which yeah. do you say? Which, uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense in any other context. Uh, soda. Chicken or egg? Which came first or which do I prefer? <laughs> Both. Dealer's uh, choice. <laughs> which came first? We'll say the chicken. Hogwarts or the Shire? Shire. Disney or Pixar? Uh, Pixar. Timberlake or Bieber? Hmm. Biebs. Jennifer Hudson or Beyonce? Jennifer Hudson. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Gluten-free, dairy-free, meat-free. <laughs> Is that pizza? <laughs> no. It's a crouton? <laughs> Beer or wine? Wine. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Books or movies? Ooh, mm, as of recent books? I'm going to have to go with books, yeah. Sweater or hoodie? Mm, hoodie. Boats or planes? Boats. Handshakes or hugs? Handshakes. 
Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Phone calls or texts? Phone calls. Up next, some more open-ended questions. Favorite candy? Unsweetened, completely dark. Like there's, I don't think there's any sugar. It is the most bland, bitter chocolate you'll ever taste in your life. Um, and it's just that covering raw honey, and they're in these little tiny pucks. And so I do like organic sugar right now. Favorite snack? Oh, man. Uh, so there are these cassava flour chips. They are gluten-free, corn-free, dairy-free, and free of most good things. But they are so delicious, and I can eat them with, like, hummus, and I can eat them with any other dip that my heart desires. Favorite coffee? It was an Annie Ruth El Salvador from Evocation Coffee in Amarillo, Texas. And it was one of the best coffees I've ever had, just in general. Made pour-overs of it every morning until it was gone. I bought it. It was like 16 bucks, and then shipping when I was a college student. I was super broke, and it was worth every penny. Favorite smell? My favorite smell would have to be mountains. Like, when you go into the mountains, and there's just like you get out at that lake with all the pine trees around, it's just fresh. It's crisp. It's so nice. And or when you go out to the beach. Beach or mountains, both phenomenal smells. Favorite city? Favorite city is currently probably between Seattle and somewhere in California. I'm a big Northern California fan. Favorite TV show? Oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All the way. Andy Samberg is, Andy Samberg is just, he's so good. Okay, if you had to pick one, I'm going to ask favorite musician. This is either solo or band. Favorite all-around musician? Okay, I'm giving the two at the top of my list all-time low for band. Yep. Uh, they've been at the top of my list for a long time. I'm a huge all-time low fan. Overall musicianship, Keith Urban. <laughs> that dude is a legend, and he's so, so good. What was your first live concert? My, my first concert that I bought tickets specifically for and went to that I was very excited about was all-time low. Okay. Uh... My next question is best live concert. Best live concert is also a tie between All Time Low and Keith Urban. What was your first job? My first job was working at a dentist's office in the back room, filing in alphabetical order their patient files and rearranging them so that they were always in the proper order. Worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? In high school, I wore almost solely um, bro tanks, flip flops, and whatever shorts fit. What did you have for breakfast? For breakfast this morning, the same thing I have for breakfast pretty much every day. Um, I go to the store. I go there and I buy two protein bars every morning. They are the Think Thin protein bars, which I obviously need because I'm a stick. What would you eat for your last meal? Ooh, my last meal, I would probably have a really good burger followed by quality ice cream. Mm, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? <sighs> it's been a while. Dude, cookie dough. You can't go wrong with cookie dough. It's cookie dough. It's vanilla. It's chocolate. It's doughy. Okay, last one. What did you want to be when you grew up? I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of things about childhood, kind of. Um, I, I don't remember as much. I know that like every little kid is probably like police officer, or fireman, or superhero. Or I know that there was all that. Um, for a little bit, I wanted to be EMT firefighter and a teacher. Okay, Austin. Yes, Steven. We would love it if you would introduce yourself the way you would like to tell your story. Basically, oh, my story from wherever you want to start to get us to today. I was born in California, Pasadena. My parents were uh, going to seminary at Fuller. So uh, my dad ended up working for Fuller for a little bit. I think my mom did too. She did like a, I think she did a work study or something. If they ever hear this, they probably will because I'll send it to them and be like, Mom, Dad, I did a thing. Look. 
Uh, they'll be like, you were so wrong about what we did, but that's okay. Uh, so they did stuff with Fuller uh, and worked there for a little bit or work study. And my mom's a therapist. My dad has, I think, an MDiv. I think he got a Master of Divinity and he was a pastor. Uh, I don't actually remember exactly what he went to school for, but he does have a master's from Fuller. If I remember correctly, my mom has a master's in psychology from Fuller as well. She's had a successful therapy practice for 35 years. Really cool. Awesome lady. I love my mom. Um, they moved us to Kansas, Kansas City specifically. People here, especially in Montana, hear Kansas and they're like, yeah, so you went to live amongst the wheat, did you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I actually went to live in uh, Johnson County with a an overall populace of approximately 1.2 million people in a city and it was real big so that's where i grew up i was raised there um my little sister Kristen, was born in 1998 we are a little more than two years apart she uh she and i were both raised there i am slightly cooler because i was born in california um (laughs) i'm just kidding you got that cred going just kidding just kidding um state cred state cred so i'll always i'm not gonna lie i don't love kansas that much i will always claim california (laughs) where are you from well you know i was raised in kansas but actually i'm from california uh so anyways did stuff blah blah high school hobbies passions all that stuff um got really into cars in high school got really into music in high school they're always there so those are kind of like two of my main things i really enjoy and i moved up here right after i graduated high school uh so i have some family friends that and here being Billings, obviously, because <laughs> everyone listening can read our minds. Duh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So moved to Billings uh, because a friend of the family who we've known for a very long time actually goes back to this. Why I started in Fuller. So so back in Fuller, my parents, best friends actually ended up moving here about 15 years ago and planting the vineyard church here. And so they offered when I graduated high school that I could move up and live with them and pay them rent and rent a room and it would be an option to get out of my parents house to do something to explore to get out of the mundane get out of the rut that I was in and maybe not do college because that wasn't really my thing obviously (laughs) I tried twice it did not take either time so I moved up here I I prayed about it for a long time they told they, they made that offer right before I graduated and I think that that was definitely definitely the Lord giving me a door so uh, they made that offer and I prayed about it for eight months. I was really torn. Um, eventually came to the conclusion that, you know what, it's probably an okay thing. Like, let's try it. I had nowhere else to go. I didn't know what I was going to do there. Needed to get out of my parents' house. And so here we are. Um, that was 2016. I graduated. No, that was, yeah, that was, I moved here January 9th, I think of 2016. So we just hit the four year mark. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Cause I graduated in 2015. I am a youngster, but yep, um, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> So I graduated 2015, moved up here in 2016 after dropping out of college and really felt like like that was the right move. And here we are. Got a job in coffee. Uh, we can talk more about that later, too. A few jobs in coffee. Right? Yeah, I've had, a, a I've, had a couple, I've had a couple of jobs in coffee. Uh, like I actually <laughs> my my words. So John Hodges, who um, is the son of the people I lived with, also a phenomenal musician. And he was living there. And my dad said to me before I left, he's like, John's really into coffee. Like, you're, you're going to love coffee when you go up there. And I looked at my dad square in the face and I said, Dad, coffee is coffee. It doesn't matter. It's black caffeine juice. Nobody cares. And so um, <laughs> here we are. Here we are four years later. Uh, that was a lie. So there's that. Uh, yeah. And I, I went into off the leaf. Fun fact. Paul Aspen 
who is the one who commandeered me my job at Off the Leaf, yeah, had actually attended Vineyard in Kansas City while my dad was the associate pastor oh there. Oh my gosh. Yes. So I walked into Off the Leaf. I'd been applying for jobs like left and right, didn't know what to do. Is that like I was so looking back, I was so lost. Mm. I was so confused and I had no idea how confused I was. Right. So this was the uh, this was the third time that I went into Off the Leaf looking for Paul because they said, oh, Paul works there. So I walk in. I'm like, hey, are you Paul? He's like probably a little freaked out <laughs> after I ask him if he remembers Kansas because he's like, why on earth would anyone up here know about that? And so I ask him and he says, yeah, I, I did. I was just like, remember that pastor, Tom? <laughs> Who's the associate pastor? He's just like, yeah, we worked on a couple things. I was like, I'm his kid. I just moved here and I need a job like ASAP so I can start paying rent. And he was just like, and he went in and like to Paul's credit, that dude's gotten me every job I've had in Billings. Wow. He is he is literally the reason for every job, every form of employment I've had in Billings to pay my rent. Um, Yeah, he's the reason why I got the job at Moab too. <laughs> yeah, and so he went to Hunter, the manager there, and vouched for me. Having never met me but known my dad, he went and vouched for me and said, hey, like this is a stand-up kid, like, He'll do really well. I trust him. Hire him. He is the one that you want to hire out of people. And I came in for an interview and Hunter pretty much hired me like right after that. That's excellent. Yeah. And so that's how I got my start in Billings. So Off the Leaf is where it started. Listeners to episodes three and four will know that while well, Dixie was there for a while, our uh, very first guest, Josh, was there. Um, did you move straight from Off the Leaf to Moab? No. In between, you moved to Kansas at some so in point. Between, yeah. In between off the leaf and where I'm currently at, I've actually had three jobs. One of them is the job I'm currently at that I left and came back to. So I left, I went back to Kansas. Uh, I was really homesick in 19 and was like, I just want to go back to my friends. This is Billings. Like I miss my friends. They're all like, I see, you know, see all their stuff. They always text you just like, oh, we're doing this and this. this is so much fun. Like college is great. We're doing, we're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, I want to be back there. Like sounds like a cool time. So I moved to Manhattan, Kansas. And I enrolled in K-State or I was going to enroll in K-State. What I did the semester that I ended up being there for, I went and did the online uh, community college, which is where I was prior to that. And I just took online classes and utilized the campus as my own free playing ground and just did all of the other stuff with my friends that were enrolled there. And no one really questioned it that much. And when they did, they just let me keep doing it. So the the homesickness got you to Kansas and then it turns you right back around and gets yeah. you back to Billings. Dude, yeah. I went and every night, I, I would I would like, I would sit in my bed, like lay in my bed before I went to sleep for hours, it felt like, and just think about being here and reminisce and like everything in me wanted to come back. Yeah, there were a lot of people here too that were like, why did he move away? And there were a lot of people here that I really like significantly missed. So I ended up coming back. <laughs> After six months there, they were a great six months. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about kind of where I was going. It gave me some really good time to sit and have some clarity, to sit and read my Bible more, to practice a crap load of music because I did not actually have that much to do while I was there because all of my friends were constantly in class. I tried to get a job at all the coffee shops there and like build another like career out of it to some extent and none of them would hire me. They always just, and I actually got into program for one of them that was like these 12 baristas that they were like their final 12 to hire went through like this little training class thing this initiation and then they picked their little grouping three of you to hire and looking back i was so over the top i know what i'm doing that i would never have hired me yeah like at, <laughs> like as as someone who runs a coffee shop now yeah or like no. to some extent runs it like manages it <laughs> yeah i see people and i'm just like i know 
<laughs> I'm good. Thanks, no, absolutely. Like I get, I get that you love pour overs and the technicality of coffee, and you can use big words on your resume and talk to us more than other people. But that person's really nice, and I can teach them everything that you know in about it's three also months. Easier to train someone to do something new than it is to train yeah. someone to do something the way that you do it. Exactly, and so I'm not surprised at all that they didn't hire me. I would not have hired myself <laughs> if I were in that situation. So, to credit Arrow Coffee, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, you, Calling you out. You, you did a good thing by not hiring me, probably. So Success. well done. Good yeah. management. Um, yeah. So back to Billings. Yeah. So I moved back to Billings and uh, actually I have a really fun story about coming back to Billings while I was there. So I moved away and I left. I left my motorcycle, my project bike. I left my bed <laughs> in wow. a storage unit of my bed frame. I left my desk, my desk chair, all my tools in a storage unit in Billings that I prepaid two months of. And I was like, yeah, I'll make it back. It comes around to the time where I need to pay for next month and I can't and I'm in Kansas. And so it's a Thursday morning and I'm sitting at a coffee shop. So I was there with my roommate, who's also one of my best friends. He and I were just sitting on our laptops. I was looking at stuff and I was like, dude, I, I have to go get my stuff like before it gets snowy and like passes close and our highways close and it's too bad. I've got to pull a trailer back. This knee, this needs to happen like now. So I made the decision. <laughs> I went and decided that day, and this was morning, probably like 9, 10 a.m., that I was going to drive that night up to Billings. Wow. And so I ordered a trailer hitch. I ordered a trailer hitch that was supposed to fit my car to an address in Billings, the place I used to live, hoping it would get there in time so that I could attach, I could install it in the street and then drive a trailer home with my stuff. Uh, I borrowed my roommate's $500 that he had left on his line of credit from the bank. Not even his money. His line of credit from the bank. I borrowed it in cash so that I could pay for gas and food to get up there. And uh, after that, it was 11 p.m., so I just started driving. Went, got a couple monsters, pack M&Ms or whatever, hit the highway. Um, And I I, I slept for about an hour. It was was 7 a.m., right outside of Denver. I had driven I-70. All the way from Kansas to Denver, and it was 6 a.m. So I drove overnight, woke up to the sun hitting the mountains coming because I was facing my back to the west or to the east. So sun comes up, hits the mountains. Beautiful. This is a really it's one of the cool memories that I look back on. I'm just like that was such a, like just a stupid spur of the moment. Like it's just fun. Um, and and the sun was hitting the mountains, and it was like a beautiful like crisp Denver morning in the fall. And I go into the store and I buy pop tarts, and I just kind of sit in my car and watch the sun hit the mountains. And I eat pop tarts for a couple minutes, make the rest of the drive. It's another nine hours from there it's about an 18 hour drive total uh come up here i show up unannounced to and i didn't tell a single person i was coming and i just expected i'd find a place to stay for a week so i show up to the place i used to live uh can did i that. sleep here <laughs> and then i was like oh they literally so was just like what are you doing here and i was like oh i came back up because i have stuff in a storage unit and i need to get it yeah can i sleep here for a week <laughs> And she said, yes, absolutely. You can use our guest room. We love you like family. And I'm Thank very God. appreciative. <laughs> I am. I love them very much. We're still very close. Um, they're, they're the ones I used to live with. Uh, Alan and Jenny Hodges are some of the best people. I, I love them. Awesome. So you get your stuff out. Yeah. Well, no, I, I work two shifts at Off the Leaf because I was <laughs> technically still employed there. So two months later, I cover two shifts at Off the Leaf, get enough tip money, and it actually just pushed me over to make it home. And then I moved back four months after that, also pulling a trailer full of my crap. So making quite an adventure of hauling things back and forth, making the drive back and forth, 
Yeah, and I'm scraping moved. the money together. Mm-hmm. It was, dude. It, yeah, it happened. It happened. So you how does your it. how does your situation feel now? So right now you are currently the store manager at the Moab Coffee downtown. Yeah. Uh, very different. Yeah, stability. Um, <laughs> yes, little more stability. Much more stability than what I had. I mean, obviously, I think everybody's working toward a little bit more stability at some point, or at least faux stability. The, the illusion of stability, not to get real philosophical on you right now, um, but just to have have a little bit more consistency sometimes. But in comparison, oh my gosh, loads more. Yeah, so kind of upgrading the uh, just like roving barista life, different coffee shops. Yeah, I mean, I came back and, and Off Leaf wouldn't hire me back. Uh, Moav couldn't hire me. They were just like, we're starting out. But he was like, they're like, yeah, we can't pay you. And so I just kind of, I went and I, I was like, but I loved working in coffee. Like, it was a job I looked forward to going to every day. So I had an opportunity. I went and applied to other places. Cause you know, I'm talking with my parents, like just moved back, like me, no, like almost 20. No, I'm 20 at that point. I, I was saying things like, yeah, I just want to work something that I like and that's fun. And I think they may have thought I was a little bit insane and really needed money. To be fair, that um, would sound insane. Yeah, it would. Um, and so <laughs> I, I was playing places. I was just like, they're like, you like cars. I, I do like cars. Happen to be a massive gearhead and an enthusiast. I don't ever want to do that as a job, really, because it kind of kills the passion a little bit. And then you just go home and you don't want to touch your own projects. And if you don't want to touch your own projects, then what's the point? <laughs> so I applied at a dealership to be like a basic lube and oil change tech. And it started at like $13 an hour and like full benefits, insurance, like guaranteed 40 hours a week and one Saturday a month. Like it would have paid better than well more than anything I'd done at that point. Right. And so I went in for an interview and he's just like, yeah, you know, this looks good. When can you start? What are your restrictions? Can you do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that works. And then I declined the job offer because it sounded horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I called my dad and I told him that I declined the really good job offer and he really wanted me to take it, if I remember right. And then I kind of just waited for a coffee shop job job to open. And I went in to Moab one day and Jeff looks at me and goes, we can swing it we want to hire you like we want you to work for us and that wow. was a really flattering thing and it meant a lot for for them to say because i didn't know jeff that well prior and i just gone and i had nerded about coffee with him because i'm really passionate about it so i was working at moab finally and like overjoyed but i was so stoked and i also couldn't pay my bills with that <laughs> uh so one of paul's friends go figure Paul talked to him and talked to me. He was just like, yo, I'll hook you up with a job with Kenny. Here's his number. Uh, and so I got paid to clean an industrial building twice a week. So I think Tuesdays and Thursdays I cleaned. And eventually Moab went up to full-time hours and um, I got to work there and eventually transferred into management and do that. Yeah. So what was it like when they asked you to step up as manager? Uh, it was kind of unconventional because I'm so close with, sure, yeah. with Jeff. Uh, Jeff is one of my favorite people. I love that guy. How did you feel when he offered you the position? really good it was very much a you're just kind of suddenly the manager i trust you with this stuff oh okay it was it was a lot less formal between he and i it just kind of like was a progression that happened and i ended up being that right yeah did that and then i and then i left that again to go work somewhere else and i came back to just to roast and say i wouldn't manage my goodness and then here we are um (laughs) things flipped and i'm managing our downtown location and it's actually it's actually a really good job um i i do like the fit especially for right now. I, I know it's not going to be a long-term thing. I mean, it's going to be long-term in the terms of a position in that realm. Yeah. 
but it's not going to be a long-term thing in the position of my life, I don't think. Okay. Uh, but I do like it. It's an enjoyable position, and I really care about the shop and the people that run it and work at it. Yeah, so where do your future dreams kind of take you as far as a trajectory? Like, where, where do you hope to end up if it's not going to be in coffee? I have I have one thing that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. Okay. I have dreamed about playing music and getting paid for it since I was a kid. It's a crazy dream. Uh, it's a crazy thing to like aspire to and to think that will happen kind of, or, or people see it as crazy. And this is something I've not talked about this publicly. Really. I actually want to do music and I've just always had this weird hope that it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Like this weird confidence. I don't know why it's not even a confidence. Like, yeah, I'm great. Cause I was like, I don't <laughs> feel that way. Really? I mean, to some extent, I think we do. I think it's healthy to have self-confidence. It's like, yes, like I, I do feel confident. I feel capable in a lot of ways where God's really gifted me with things and given and like made paths. And it's not like a prideful thing like, oh, everybody look at me. Look at my music. Look at my like, that's not what I want it to be. It's just fun. I've always wanted to do it. And so legitimately, I want to go play music. I don't have a plan B. Like <laughs> I could open a coffee shop. I could manage a coffee shop. Like I could manage another store. I have experience there. I could go for that. Like it would pay my bills. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's going to be like it would be handy in Seattle to go and to work for a coffee company. Like consulting, I think, would be so fun to go and help shops either get out of a rut that they've dug mm. or start well. Oh, um, okay. And go and help kind them. Of yeah. Now leveraging your experience on the management side of things. Yes. And say, you know, I've seen this work. I've seen that fail. Let's see what we can do to balance this for you and for your clientele. And for it would all be tailored. Like everything's so different when it comes to coffee shops and retail and customer service. And that could be the side hustle yeah. while you're just and that could crushing be, gigs. Like that could be a thing. I, I think it'd be really fun. Um, So I don't really have a plan B. I just want to do the music stuff. Sure. That's kind of the goal mm-hmm. and saying it, knowing that it's going somewhere does sound a little bit, a uh, little out there, but it really is. It's just the one thing that I've always loved and wanted to do. Thank you so much for listening to No Normal People this week. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, would you consider taking a few moments to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Facebook? We currently have 10 five-star ratings at Apple Podcasts, which is just so humbling and exciting to Dixie and I. I'd like to issue a challenge for this week and see that number double. I'd also like to shout out our growing Facebook community at No Normal People. That's facebook.com slash nopeoplepod. We're up to 103 likes already. If each of you that like the page go to the review tab and leave a recommendation, this helps the show grow, reach more normal people like yourself, and it makes Dixie and I feel good. Also be sure to check out the website where you can share links by the episode. For instance, this episode with Austin would be www.nonormalpeople.com slash six for episode six. If you own, operate, or work for a business that would like to advertise in this section of our podcast, please email me, Stephen, directly at nopeoplepod at gmail.com. And as a reminder, be sure to stay tuned through the end of this episode to hear a sample of Austin Smith's brand new song, Circles, coming soon to Spotify. So I was curious to ask you um, about any kind of routines or habits you've chosen to build into your life obviously dealing with some dietary restrictions and whatnot. We've talked about meal prepping in the past. Yes. You and I also had a conversation. You were regularly taking kind of 
road trips out to places like Red Lodge or yeah. just out to the river just to time to unplug and recharge yeah. kind of things. What kind of things do you have you built into your life that way? So a few. I've been uh, I've been doing a lot more meal prepping recently than I had been. I've been doing cauliflower rice with chicken and some stir fried veggies and freezing those in mason jars and using those for lunch. Nice. Yeah, it's a really quick and efficient and convenient way to do it. It doesn't take that long to meal prep those. There you go. So you're eating that for lunch. Uh, That's we what talk, I eat a lot of days. We yeah. talked about you picking up energy bars for breakfast. I do that. Yeah. My habits, I've been just unreasonably exhausted the last couple of weeks. And so it's been a lot harder for me to maintain my my early, early up habit. I do try to get to bed about 930 every day if I can. I like being in bed that early. It's good. Yeah. Um. And in reference to the other things, uh, going out to Bozeman, yeah. I've gone through some serious, serious, um, and I never thought I'd use the term. I always thought it was a little bit hopeless to look for, but like I've gone through some serious healing and some like real deliverance of some things that I never, um, growing up, I I didn't think it was possible to not deal with. Okay. Uh, And so I spent a lot of time by myself and really just kind of being in peace because my whole life I've never been able to. I thought I was an extrovert for years and really I was being around people all the time because I had to drown out the chaos that was going on mm. um, inside okay, and sometimes outside that I was picking up on and, and dealing with. So it, it was a very new thing for me to experience the pleasure of being an introvert and actually enjoying time with myself and spending time with God mm-hmm. and being with my father in every sense of the term in a real way. Uh, so yeah, I did go to Bozeman a lot. I went out and got to the mountains and I read a lot of books, went to Red Lodge quite a bit. I went just out, I got out of the city and I went to be by myself and God just gave me permission to do that. You know, he definitely said, it's not my job to go and fix everything and to go and search for the world's problems and to have to pray for everybody and to have to go is we're not God. We don't have to go out and look for the problem and we don't have to go make a solution on the spot unless we really feel led to. Right. And that was kind of revolutionary for me. I always lived my life thinking or at least feeling guilty that I wasn't doing enough. Mm. Yeah. You, you were feeling a, an internal pressure that you had to keep your heart beating just for everyone else yes. or like you were bleeding for everyone else and you weren't taking yeah, to the time extent. to heal and yeah, and recharge. That, and that even it wasn't okay to have times that I enjoyed and to just go and be alone and do something mm. healthy for me. Okay. And I know that that's a big thing in today's, today's self-care society and self-care image and, you know, love you, you do you, boo, all that. <laughs> I, I kind of hate that stuff. Sure. I think that a lot of it is really surface level and really selfish because mm-hmm. of the way that they're teaching it. Okay. Now, taking, how do I phrase this properly? It's, it's, the, it's the full cup overflowing analogy. Yeah. That all of the modern churches love. Yes. Uh, and the thing is, they love it. And, and I say cliches are cliche for a reason. And that is what Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. Jesus went and put a lake between himself and a crowd of people so he could go be alone with the Father. Yes. And he did say that he was an example to us. Yes. So I believe that there's nothing wrong with sometimes putting distance between ourselves and people so that we can be with him, so that we can get refreshed, we can come back, and we can authentically love people Mm -hmm. instead of being so drained that we have to love them and just do it because that's what we do. If we're not authentically loving people, then we're not authentically being like Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Did you experience confronting the internal chaos, especially the first few times that you were taking these kind of trips out to the mountains did you experience like a high level of noise that you had to learn to turn down um 
Not not particularly. There were there were a couple of days where I went through some stuff and I I, I got free of some stuff in a, in a very very real and very quick time. Okay. But but there was a habit and there was an internal not necessarily internal but there there was a self created noise sometimes mm-hmm. and a distraction that I do still have to focus on not doing. I mean I spent twenty two years doing it. Mm. Um and almost some of, like an addiction yeah, to the habit. noise. It's a habit. Yeah. It's a habit. If you get out of bed every day and you put on your shoe, left foot first, and then your right foot, in Stephen's case, yeah. um, <laughs> I did listen to that. <laughs> so if you get out of bed every day, you know, for 30 years, or we'll say 20 years, because my case is 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. 20 years, you do that every day. You're going to get out of bed and you're going to put your shoe on your left foot first. That's what's going to happen unless you make yourself not do it. And so there are things that I don't struggle with anymore that I still kind of have to oh, and and just kind of because because most of the scenarios is not true most of the scenarios is literally just gone like there are very few things that i have to do that with like there are things that are just gone like oh. just gone with the wind that like i don't deal with anymore and it's yeah. beautiful it's wonderful um the one that i really have to be careful about is not letting myself just go 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 mm-hmm. uh, because i did do that for so long i do have to be intentional to slow down now and to go and that's where those trips out to red lodge and to bozeman help because when i stay in billings i love people but you can't go nobody can go anywhere in billings without seeing someone they know <laughs> yeah that's so how it true. is it's a small town yeah that's the reality of it you need it's to be really, able to remove yourself. really hard when you just want to be by yourself and be peaceful and recharge yeah and really listen for what the father's saying listen to where the holy spirit's guiding you um Creating a space for solitude, yeah. creating, creating that space for that space for solitude, that space for peace, that space for like renewal and recharging. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important. And so, yeah, I leave town to do it and, and creating that physical space sometimes really helps. That's good. That's a good practicality. I know in the summer we, you were talking about, you would bring a book and typically hang a hammock. I would, I would do, I would do the most millennial thing uh, that millennials can do. I would take a hammock and I would hike up to a little lake and I would put the hammock up by the lake and I would read and sometimes nap, and it was glorious. And I recommend everyone do the same thing. Hammock naps in the sun in the mountains with yeah, a book. With a book. Mm. Or if you're not going to the mountains, maybe get outside of the city limits. Yeah. Find a small town thirty or forty five minutes away where there's a coffee shop. You can go and get some get a cup of drip coffee and sit in the corner and get refills for four hours while you read a book. Get to know the staff there. They're gonna leave you alone because they'll know that you come there to do that. Is that more of what you do in the winter when, you know, it's 20 degrees yeah. outside and we don't have a hammock available? Yeah, dude. I go to <laughs> Bozeman. I know a lot of people at uh, Wild Joe's, know many of the baristas, and they're rad people, but they're also so busy. I can just go hide in the back. It's a beautiful thing They'll being completely alone in the midst <laughs> of people. Yeah. I, I'm always interested in someone's, first, their spiritual background and how that informs where they currently are in their faith or... Uh, non-faith really where, yeah. wherever someone is relating to spirit i'm always interested in that yeah okay it sounds like you've been going through a lot of growth and a lot of healthy uh, yeah. maturation in your in your walk with jesus yes um, i do love jesus very much i think that people should know him and if they're scared maybe give it a chance because it's not gonna hurt them so you mentioned that your family is involved with the vineyard they went to fuller seminary yep. The Vineyard Church was originally what got you here to Billings. 
uh, since then you've kind of gone through a couple migrations as far as denomination goes, maybe theologically. Um, no, not, not, not really a ton like that. I mean, technically denomination, not just like shoot down the question, not technically denomination. I I've transferred, but I was, yeah. was really non-denominational because the vineyard is, like, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're, they're a quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes denomination, but they're fair. also not. <laughs> uh, and I was raised in that. So yeah, so Vineyard is certainly in the more probably would say charismatic ish. Mm. I, I'm not familiar with Vineyard ish. They we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit and yes. gifts, and but it's also very practical. The whole Vineyard thing is naturally supernatural. We believe that God moves in the supernatural on a regular basis, and that is actually how we're intended to be as His children, as His creation. And and so it's it's not charismatic as most people would think charismatic. So I try not to describe it like that. Sure. The vineyard is much more, yeah, we love you. We're real people. The the guy who's pastoring the church I'm at right now takes questions in the middle of the sermon if somebody's curious about whether or not like the theology is matching up. Wow. That's okay. awesome. And he will take time in the middle of the sermon, rabbit trail, explain it. And if it's too long, he'll say, we're going to talk after the sermon. I'm really interested in that. Let's Let's chat. Like, I want to figure this out with you. Yeah. I want you to understand where our heart's at. Uh, and it, they just care about people. So the whole vineyard thing is really just be real to live with God in the real, in the supernatural, but also in life. Just mm-hmm. every day, all the time, wherever it is, whoever you're with, whatever they're doing. It was started in California on the beach and they just led worship together and the Holy Spirit moved and God moved. And they wanted to grow in relationships. So really, it it is kind of a charismatic church. And, and yes, I've seen some really dope stuff. Sure. Yeah. Maybe charismatic was a bit presumptive um, of me. but I, And it I, is. But that's, that's how I've explained it in the past, too. Sure. Is charismatic because that stuff does happen. And so many times it's so simple. God doesn't always move in these massive charismatic banner-waving movements. Yeah. He does sometimes this stuff can be really cool and really real, but also it's all across the board. And so the vineyards characteristic, the way I would describe it is just being real with God and naturally supernatural and living life on a day-to-day basis. Love it. It's so stupidly simple. It's brilliant. How early in your life did you start getting involved in worship music in the church? So I, I got involved a little bit. I started playing guitar I started playing guitar technically when I was eight and as eight year olds do, they don't practice at all. (laughs) And so, um, that didn't take like some other things didn't take the first time around. (laughs) Uh, it didn't. And I ended up going multiple years, just, you know, G, D, C, E minor, A minor, F, the, the, your basic your, major yeah. chords with a couple minors in there. Throw a capo on there. You can Throw play Throw a capo any on key. there. You can play whatever key. <laughs> so I would do stuff like that. And I actually remember writing songs when I was probably 10. Fast forward to high school. I ended up in high school and in junior high even starting to pick up my guitar a little more. Mm-hmm. I did go to lessons for a while and took guitar lessons. And when I was in youth group and some of the older guys graduated, went to college, we didn't have a ton of worship team. And so I started leading and I would lead basic songs and hop in. And I had been playing in... I've been singing since I was probably two or three. Wow. So that yeah. lit- I, my mom, apparently I figured out how to do harmonies by ear when I was five or six no in the way. car. Yeah. So I would harmonize with my mom when we were singing to the radio, probably old Stephen Curtis Chapman and Chris Tomlin, because yes. that's what I was raised on. Why not? Yep. Michael so, W. Smith, Michael maybe. W. Smith. Oh, dude. Yes. Yeah. Old stuff like that. My mom and I would sing. And my mom used to lead worship back in the day for the vineyard also. Oh, okay. Yep. 
So I, I, I don't know. I just ended up doing it. I wanted to do it. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know my own volition or it seemed like a good idea. So (laughs) worship it was. And I ended up doing that. And then when I left that youth group, because I was not clicking with the other guys, I ended up going to my cousin's church called Indian Creek Community Church. It's in Kansas. So I went there and they were both on worship team there. My cousin Cameron played drums. My cousin Grayson played lead guitar for their youth group. And they have been my best friends. They're twins. They are eight months older than I am. We both, we all three love music. We love longboarding. We did like car stuff. We just, I've, I've lived, they've been my best friends. Nice. And it was amazing. So I went there and eventually ended up starting to sing on worship team. The guy who was my roommate in Manhattan that I borrowed the 500 bucks from was the worship leader at the time. (laughs) We were all in high school. Nice. He's also the guy that got me into cars and taught me a lot of what really got me started in that field. Oh, nice. So all this kind of happening around the same time. Yeah. Well, this is happening around the same time. And he kind of taught me how to lead worship and he just had me start singing Then eventually guitar. When he graduated, another guy from the church who was, uh, who used to do some things with IHOP, he was at Indian Creek at that time. And so he really mentored me and kind of fathered me into what it was to lead worship. Ended up being junior and senior year and a little bit of after I graduated through that summer and a little bit of college, I was the worship leader for the youth group there. And I got to play acoustic and bass and some rhythm electric and actually lead songs on Sunday mornings too. And it just escalated into this, like that that was my life. Yeah. I I led worship and played music all the time and wrote stuff with my cousins and we would play little gigs around town. The guy who was the band director there actually asked us to play a gig. He had um, a minimum security prison that they did a ministry at. And so we played an eight song set at this minimum security prison outside in the courtyard while everybody was eating. And so music and worship just kind of became this super involved part of my life and worship was the one time that I found solitude. Well, and it sounds like it's also the place that you found the, like the meaningful relationships that you may have been missing at, you know, the youth groups that you felt kind of ostracized from. It was, it was the first time I really felt like I could be myself and actually go do something. Yeah. And and express yourself Mm -hmm. with people who are like-minded, Yeah, like your deepest friendships with your best friends, your cousins, all these people you're, you're, you're spending so much time together. Dixie and I, Mm -hmm. uh, we look back to our, few college days very fondly for the the choir experiences we had yeah our professor used to teach us this all the time our voice teacher he he would always mention in choir how when a group of musicians sit down and make the music make music together you know they're joining tempo they're joining the same key they're creating harmony out of vocal cords or out of their instruments their heartbeats literally begin to sync up yes i've heard of that you know, like Dixie and I thinking through this, like this even happens in worship music in a church. This is why music is so powerful. Yeah, music is a powerful thing. Centuries and millennia of the church singing psalms and yep. singing hymns. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so special. Like we're, we are knitting together ourselves so that, you know, out of the many that are here in the congregation that are singing the same words, the same time with the same notes, with the same kind of energy, we're all syncing up and like all is once. All is one, we're becoming the body of Christ. Like out of yep. many, yeah. we're becoming part of the the one. And that's, that's significant even because there are people that can't sing or keep tempo or, you know, anything like that. But yes. in that kind of moment, it's like you're following everybody. Everybody's doing the same thing. And even if you can't sing or keep tempo, you are still a part of yeah. it. Yeah. And it's that's more so about the cool. sound. It's less about the sound and more about the community. Yeah. It's a connection. That's cool. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I found. That's something I really like doing. So given everywhere you've been, kind of the uh, 
I don't want to say tumultuous, but you, you, you had a, a season where you're moving around quite a bit. Yeah, it was a little bit crazy. Kind of floating between places to live, uh, jobs, oh, scraping together money just to make it. Now you're in a, a more stable place. You've had an experience, a through line through your life of kind of music anchoring you to the greatest relationships in your life, including your parents even. So all, all of this is pulling you now into the music you mentioned you want to be creating. Yeah. What, what kind of messages are, are you looking to bring out in the music that you create? That's a great question. One I don't necessarily have an answer to. Okay. Um, I've written a lot of worship stuff. I've written a lot of really deep, intense stuff. I have felt I have felt the pull to do some different things recently. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily super deep songs, and that sounds really counter counter what I would do. But I really feel like that's the direction that God's pushing me. Sure. Or pulling me coaxing me along asking me to do okay and it's kind of bizarre and it was very very um countercultural to what i thought i needed to be doing sure you don't feel like you're headed toward the like the nashville singer songwriter that can make anyone cry no kind of more that way not necessarily make anyone cry but like the nashville singer songwriter that writes songs that are really fun to listen to oh, okay and not like and and not not solely that i mean i do sure. have a lot of things that are very deep and personal and a lot of them come out of my experiences with with the father with who god is mm-hmm. and things that he's told me that have come out in song and at the same time it's good to just have a party and at the same time it's good to just have a party <laughs> uh as a somewhat emotional person and by somewhat i mean rather i tend to lean more toward the dump all of my emotions in this <laughs> thing because i do understand that yeah and i know they asked me to to not do that all the time Mm. To, to take a break from that and so i wrote just a really fun song that's literally just a song about going and taking a break and getting away from life and having fun for a minute sweet and it's probably one of my favorite songs i've written i also think that i want that there's 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 a part of me i have a complex where i want to do this and have a purpose and like free people through music and do all this and god's the one who's going to do that the holy spirit's the one who's going to do that i don't need to have the purpose that i'm going to do this thing to go and free people I do believe that sometimes it's okay to sit and be obedient with what's in front of you to be obedient and walk and say, I'm going to write this. I'm going to have a blast writing this. And I trust, I trust that you're a whole lot bigger than I am because I cannot do anything with this without you Mm -hmm. and to enjoy the process and to do it and to be really grateful through it. And then subsequently to trust and know that he is going to use it for the better of both myself, my friends, the kingdom, whoever, Whoever's there, I can't do that. Mm. The pipe, the, the quote unquote pipe dreams, the dreams to go into music. I can't make, I can't make that happen myself. I can't, no matter how hard I work, it could always fall through. No matter how, right. no matter how many hours I put in and how many records I cut and how many songs I put out without the help from, from God pushing that. There's no point. If I'm just doing it to be on a stage and have people love me, there's no point. That's stupid. Sure. There's no point to put songs out so that people like you. That is right. not mm. even close to a reason you should do that. Yeah, that's that's great to recognize on the front end of any kind of dream to build a career in music or yeah. even podcasting or performing. I don't, I don't want this to be people look at me. Do I want people to get enjoyment out of it and to get freedom out of it and for the Holy Spirit to move on them as they listen? Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want that to happen so badly. You don't even know. 
<laughs> I want people to listen to something that I'm part of or that I'm making. I want God to use it so powerfully that like chains are broken off their life like that. Right. Just like a snap. And they're just like, why am I so much like, why am I okay now? Where did that come from? That felt different. And have people point it back to God because he's who he is, not because I'm who I am, mm-hmm. but also because he's using who I am. But it's nothing that we're doing. This like it's a beautiful dichotomy. This kind of reminds me of something that I read about Leonardo da Vinci. I was reading about how it took da Vinci four years to paint the Mona Lisa. If you've ever seen it in person, it's not very big. It's not a very big painting, but he worked on that painting for four years. Seriously? I didn't know that. Yeah. And just thinking about it, like who would take four years to do something like that? Right. And what you were saying about your music and stuff, it made me think of that. But God didn't ask you to write this stuff for your benefit, but more so to get it out so that other people could hear it. That's what I hope. I think I think it's dual. I think it's dual purpose. Right. Because it's really good for for my brain. I notice that I actually do feel better when I'm putting ideas down and I'm making music around them and I'm doing that. It's a great creative outlet and it is beneficial for me Mm -hmm. to write the songs and I have a blast with it. It's really fun, but I do want, I want him to work through them. I don't know. It's, it's so peaceful to let go of that and just say, this is what's in front of me. I'm responsible for my bubble. Yeah. I'm not responsible for you. Right. I'm not responsible for you. I'm not responsible for what that music does. I'm responsible for sitting in my bubble and right now something that's really fun and I feel called and allowed to do is to make music, not necessarily worship, not necessarily Christian, but to make music and to let go of that and trust that it's so much bigger than who I am or what words I put down or what, what chord progression I lay on a song. (laughs) Right. Well, I love that. It's a, it's an open handed attitude that says, all right, I've done everything I can do. Finishing touches, please. To rephrase what I was saying about Da Vinci, I don't know if you guys are aware of the phenomenon where an artist is only famous after they die. Yes. So when Da Vinci was painting the Mona Lisa, he wasn't thinking like, this is going to be amazing. Like, this is going to be the most beautiful painting of a woman anyone has ever seen. And it's going to be hung up in a museum for thousands of years. Like, he wasn't thinking that when he painted it. And then he died and then people were like, holy crap, have you seen the Mona Lisa? Because that crap is good. He was painting it because he cared so much about the painting and it meant a lot. And he was doing it out of like a pure expression. Yes. Pure expression. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I honestly think that musicians like yourself that write music that comes from such a deep and personal space, like, yes, that is healing for you in that moment, but to go back to the artist phenomenon of things meaning more after the artist is dead, not saying that you're going to die and then all of a sudden your music's going to be just like mind blowing awesome, but that's not the case necessarily. Someone is going to stumble across a song that you've written or something that you've participated with in a song. And just one line from it is just going to be like life changing. So completely. That's the hope I've, uh, I've been through a lot of really, really, really hard things personally emotionally familially that i'm not going to go into depth about on a podcast at some point in the future i feel like there's going to come a time where i'm going to have to and it's going to be for the benefit of someone who's listening uh as a use of my testimony 
of God's great success in my life and of saving me from things that I didn't think were possible. So a lot of times the things that you struggle with the most are the things that God will give you an authority over and use you to break off of other people more quickly. Yeah. Mm. It's a very real thing in the spirit. I've experienced that. Yes. With infertility stuff. I don't want this testimony. I don't want to have to deal with not being able to get pregnant yeah no but god put me in a place to be able to talk about it with women who are also struggling with it and even you know their spouses that don't know how to handle talking to their wife that's struggling with this but it's it sucks it really sucks when you're put in those situations but now you're given the opportunity to share the redemption of that yeah and so i'm i'm gonna imagine at some point it'll be hard to watch because i do believe that god is going to use it mm-hmm but I want, I, I do have a desire that somebody hears something or like I'm able to do something mm-hmm. and I would love if God would use something that I did that I made or played or put out to help someone else overcome something in the blink of an instant in a comparison to working through it for 20 years. Because there are people out there who could work through things for 20 years and have that redemption and overcome it. But there are people who don't need to do that. There are people who... If something happened or it could just be broken off in an instant and all of a sudden there's just like, why did that stop was different? How, how, how? Like, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And come to know who Jesus is. I want to say real quick. It's cool. I am feeling very led to say to you right now. Yes. That I have absolutely no doubt that God, the father, is looking down on you in your life at any moment, even the hard things and the bad things and the things that you struggle with. I have no doubt in my mind that he's looking at you and he's saying, look at my son. Look at him go. Look at what he's doing. He is so strong and he is so kind and he's so generous and he is going to change the world so much. No doubt in my mind. Thank you. You're welcome. So <laughs> I don't show it very much, but I'm, I'm tearing up quite a bit. Whoa. Sorry. That, no, no, thank you. <laughs> There's nothing to ever be sorry about. That was one of the most encouraging, like, real, like, I felt that. That was like God speaking through you directly to me. And it's really cool, especially that it's, like, recorded and captured permanently (laughs) on a microphone. Lovely. Um, No, I totally accept that. Thank you. Thank you for listening and saying that and being obedient. Because I know people that would not have done that. It's hard to do that It is hard to do that sometimes. No, uh, but I love you. That was, you're like too. a brother. You guys so are I'm, awesome. Yeah, you're the best. But that's, that's why I keep her around. <laughs> she's pretty great. She's very good. She's, you're she's both very great. I'm she pretty is. all right. Uh, no, but that was more impactful than you know. So thank you. So when we got here, it was visible to me and it was always, it was also obvious to me just listening to your voice when we started talking about how you want to kind of share a message of, yeah. of hope and share what you've already experienced back to the cup overflowing yeah idea yeah, yeah it felt like this is something you could talk about as long as you wanted to i literally could you're yes. going to have to stop me <laughs> yes if we were g- going to yeah. describe your passion it would be something along these lines where there's a message to be conveyed and the best medium that you feel like you've been blessed with and on- honestly we feel like you've been blessed Thanks, with man. is music mm-hmm. and you have something to share and that's God has healing available to anyone who asks for it. Absolutely. God has ridiculous supernatural healing available to anyone Fantastic. who asks for it. He's, period. He, he's good at putting things back together he is. if mm-hmm. you feel like they're broken. You have a puzzle that's missing a piece, he'll make one and make it better than it was before. Austin, this has been awesome. 
I, I concur. Thanks for coming over. Thanks, man. I, uh, I appreciate being invited over. In closing here, I wanted to ask you what you're currently reading. I am currently reading the first Lord of the Rings book, The Fellowship. Yes. I am about 30 pages from the end. Haven't finished it yet. I, I would love to finish the series and then subsequently read The Hobbit. I'm not reading The Hobbit in the middle because I have already dedicated to the trilogy and I'm not ruining that. That's, That's fair. So The Hobbit's going to seem so easy after reading the I trilogy. Know. <laughs> I know. And here's the thing. Everybody always says it's so challenging. It's so wordy, so over descriptive. And Tolkien was just so, it's really slow. Maybe So maybe try reading something else first or work your way. No. If you've seen the movies and you have any vague interest in the realm of Middle Earth, <laughs> yes, reading the books is so much it. better because you are like you were enamored you. with the detail. Oh my gosh! It's not too wordy because you finally understand what the movies missed. You're about to wrap up Fellowship of the Ring. Yes, start in on Two Towers. Yes. What are you currently listening to? Maybe this is a podcast Ooh. and or music. I listen to so much pop country, like all of the pop country. Well, I mean, I, Keith I, I love it. <laughs> Keith Urban, I'm just going to give you a quick little synopsis because I can. Um, we got Carrie Underwood. We got Brett Young. We got Sam Riggs, Seaforth, Brown and Gray, Tennille Arts. Uh, we have some Halsey in there because she's just catchy. Mm-hmm. Thomas Rhett's great. Walker Hayes is great. Smithfield, Keith Urban, <laughs> Kelsey Ballerini, Mitchell Tenpenny, Dan and Shay. We have some Josh Dore, All Time Low because they're the boys. <laughs> Not Eli quite Young pop band. country, but no, yeah. pop punk. Dude, there's a bunch of pop punk in here too. Panic at the Disco, All Time Low, All American Rejects, that there stuff. There you go. Yeah, that. I listen to the Cat and Cloud Coffee podcast. They're they're pretty rad. I also listen to the Sean Bowles Prophetic podcast. That's a pretty good one. I listen to No Normal People. <laughs> hey, uh, shout out No Normal People. Thanks for that. Hey, that's with us. Stephen and Dixie Lee. <laughs> well, to close us out, Austin, would you read our quote for the podcast? The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Alfred Adler. Well, I thought I was alone for a while now. Never thought that you were right there picking up the pieces that I didn't know were missing because I couldn't see straight. Out here on purpose, a white line's papering, taking me higher on two wheels than I thought I could be. I took the bat so hard thinking it's all I got And then you changed my plans and showed me that it's not You put me right on target showing me the mark And pushed me forward faster than I ever thought Oh, when you're telling me circles won't go on Everyone struggles but it's not that dark Open your eyes, see where you are Don't listen to the lies cause they're not my heart Come back and sit real close Listen to me whisper love like no delay and no Hear and see the truth As I hold on to you